Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the 2A Lifestyle Christmas Edition. We are actually recording this on Christmas Eve. If you are wondering where the fuck your podcast was on Sunday, I am terribly sorry, but we have an amazing guest with us today. We have Mike Malaski with Sons of Liberty Gunworks. We had our fucking wires crossed and weren't able to connect on Sunday, so Mike was gracious enough to give us a little bit of time on Christmas Eve and we are recording this actually on Christmas Eve, so maybe when y'all listen to this it might actually be Christmas and I can hopefully fucking pump up your brakes a little bit while you go and enjoy your Christmas with your family. Hopefully it is not too fucking unbearable. We'll just go ahead and start getting the house rules in order, shall we? Wherever you're listening to this podcast, go ahead and hit subscribe. If you can, leave us a review. It is the best way for people to find gun-related content on a podcast format whenever they're looking for gun-related content if you leave us reviews. Also, we have social media. We have a Facebook and Instagram account. On Facebook, we are the number 2A Lifestyle. And on Instagram, we are 2 spelled out. That is T-W-O-A Lifestyle. We also have a Patreon program. If you like the pro- if you like this podcast and want to support us, go ahead and check us out on Patreon under 2A Lifestyle. And go ahead and subscribe, whatever you may be. We're going to be doing some interesting shit uh, in videos in 2020. So that kind of money helps us to buy that kind of equipment. We're going to become also a video podcast so you can fucking see my lovely mug every time we do a podcast. And also we're going to be releasing some awesome, crazy, hilarious, informative videos. So if you want to go ahead and check us out on that. Uh, Again, like I said, I greatly appreciate y'all listening to us on this Christmas edition. And I greatly appreciate Mike with Sons of Liberty Gunworks for coming out and just giving us a good conversation, good interview, and go ahead and just kind of shoot the shit with us on this Christmas Eve. So if not, let's go ahead and start getting into this bit, shall we? The season's upon us, it's that time of year. Brandy and eggnog, there's plenty of cheer. There's lights on the trees and there's wreaths to be hung. There's mischief and mayhem and songs to be sung. They call this Christmas where I'm from. All right, so we have in the main segment Mike Malaski with Sons of Liberty Gunworks. Mike, if you could just tell our listeners that aren't familiar with you or with Sons of Liberty Gunworks uh, a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your company. Hey, so I started Sons of Liberty Gunworks about five years ago uh, with the goal of building like hard-use endurance rifles that could be customized to the end-user specification. When I started Sons of Liberty Gunworks, I saw there was a gap there where dudes were going out and buying these, you know, these nice rifles that had to do some other stuff to make them more mission specific or make them more tailored to what they wanted. So they were having to spend money twice. And I thought, you know, why not be able to go in there and pick a lot of the features that you would want on a rifle factory direct, and then have some of the best armorers in the country, you know, build that and send it to you. So, you know, we do use, you know, night armament sites or Magpul sites, you know, B5 stocks or, you know, Magpul stocks. I mean, you could select some of those features. We handle the engine, then you should select, you know, the the specific things you want, like custom ordering a car from the dealer. Pretty much, yeah. Except for if there's a feature on a Ford that you like, when you're buying a Chevy truck, you know, you can have that feature too. Because I don't think that any one company has really cornered the market on the best grip or the best stock or the best sights. And if you ask ten pros, you'll get eleven answers, right? So being able to let people select other branded components like that for, you know, not the mechanical side of the gun, but for the, like the operation side of the gun, <clears throat> then 
I thought that was a pretty, pretty good idea. Absolutely. You know, being 6'5", you know, what's going to fit well and nice with my bare paw hands in AR-15 is not going to fit as well with a female that's like 5'3". That is, uh, you know, shooting for just sport and I'm using it for duty use. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And like I said, people have different preferences for triggers and charging handles and selectors and colors and all that kind of stuff, which in my opinion, as an armor, those things are not critical to the mechanics of the gun. Right. Though we handled that part. We handled the engine and then you, you know, you handle the the leather seats and the sound system, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, now there's a lot of, uh, criticism, you know, I'm just saying going to haters. And like I've said before in, in other podcasts that, you know, the gun community is quick to eat its own, but there's a lot of people that talk a lot of shit about sons of Liberty gun work saying that they just assemble, assemble, uh, rifles, uh, versus, you know, somebody that makes the rifle from stock to compensator. Uh, so what is the difference between Silver's and Lady Gun Works and, uh, you know, major, uh, you know, like, for example, somebody that, you know, builds that, that rifle from the ground up? Well, <clears throat> there's a huge misunderstanding in the industry about how this stuff works from the outside looking in. You, it may appear that, like, Bravo Company, you know, makes everything in-house from the muzzle to the butt of the gun. <clears throat> That's not true. They make virtually nothing. Okay, I mean, you know, they're sourcing their bolts, they're sourcing their LPKs, but, you know, they're sourcing their barrels. These aren't state secrets. I mean, I'm not going to reveal who they get them from, but all it takes is a Google search. So, you know, BCM makes <clears throat> virtually nothing in-house. They source things and they have things done their way. And that's a really good company, by the way. BCM was one of my inspirations for starting Sons Liberty. So I, I, when I talk about BCM, it's in a very complimentary way. Okay. <clears throat> then I look at companies like Radical Firearms who make virtually everything in-house. And, you know, which rifle would you rather defend your home with? You know, BCM or Radical? So I think, you know, I can't make a barrel better than FN. I can't make a barrel better than, you know, Ballistic Advantage. I can't make a bolt better than MicroVest. So why try it? <clears throat> I think the, the, the important part about building AR-15s is knowing exactly where to source the stuff, and then, you know, plugging in some of your proprietary data that you've done through testing, like gas port sizes, and buffer weights, and tuning that gun. You know, having receivers and stuff machined to a certain tolerance that, you know, that is truly uh, unique to your brand. So I, it's not just cobbling shit together. I mean, we're having stuff made a very specific way. And, you know, just like almost everybody else in the industry, I mean, Nebeski doesn't really make anything in-house. I mean, very few companies do, and even the companies that do make stuff in-house, they're not making all of it. Like, you know, the fence makes barrels, rails, and receivers in-house, but their bolts are sore, so is LPKs and springs and buffer weights and so on and so on. So I think some of the criticism I get comes from people that really don't understand how the industry works. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can have an AR-15, but you don't want to have, you know, badass rails, badass receivers, and then all of a sudden have a Wish.com barrel on there that's going <laughs> to burn out in like 500 rounds or, you know, explode on your ass when you have an overpressurized cartridge or anything. Uh, so, you know, you just are kind of, uh, you, you got shit that works well, that you know works well, and then you got different selections for shit that you know works well and you just kind of put it all together because as somebody that's built ARs it's something you can definitely fuck up whether it's your first AR or whether it's your 100th AR that you've built you know shit still can get fucked up 
Yeah, absolutely. And like the average person or the, the average person who's making some of these complaints, they really don't know how these guns work. I mean, they don't understand like certain applications of certain materials and stuff and what, because I mean, I'll sit there and I'll watch people debate who's the best AR company based on receivers, which is mechanically the least important part of the gun. You know, no one's in there, you know, debating extractor type or extractor material. You know, that's what they should be talking about because those are the points of failure we see. We never see guns stop because, you know, because the engraving on the receiver was too shallow. Like, that's not why guns stop. You know, guns stop because of a spring or because a set screw wasn't, you know, set into a dimple correctly. Nobody talks about that. And I mean, the people that know that's, you know, that's our client base. Our client base are people that actually shoot the fuck out of these rifles. And so, you know, the one or two guys out there that make some kind of wild ass claim, well, I like, you know, consider the source. And how long has uh, since Liberty Guns Works have been going around for been going on for like five years, you stated? Yeah, we just turned five uh, this uh, this past November. I think we've done some damage in five years. We we started with virtually no capital, and it was mostly through word of mouth. We didn't have a we didn't have a marketing budget until uh, you know this past like maybe sixteen months. So to grow into a national brand through word of mouth tells me that we're doing something right. And what has been y'all's success? Because since Sandy Hook in 2012, there has been a multitude of AR-15 companies that have come and gone. And you see some that have stuck around that have not been attached to like big name brand companies like Springfield or Bushmaster or what it may be. Uh, you see a lot of these AR-15 companies that come and gone. Uh, so what has been the success for Sons of Liberty Gun Works and what has been some things that you have learned in those five years? <coughs> the, <coughs> especially for a duty rifle or a work rifle. The key, the key is having a high level of predictability of performance. And the only way to get a high level of predictability of performance is by doing everything exactly the same. Everything we do, we do it the exact same way. And so there's that consistency. When people buy a Sons Liberty rifle, it's a known quantity. You know exactly what you're getting. And we're very transparent about all our secret sauce. You know, I've seen a lot of other companies come and go. And, you know, they're, they're picking components based on price, not on performance. <clears throat> so, you know, you'll notice that even some of the larger brands that some of the big brands, if you were to go through their weapons, I can kind of almost tell you what year they were made by what kind of mag button they're using. You know, because they were sourcing parts from company X and then now they started sourcing parts from company Y. And, you know, you can, if you know these weapons well enough, kind of figure that stuff out so i think what sets us apart is building really really good rifles and having pretty much unmatched end user support i mean i give my phone number out on reddit for people to call and ask me questions about gas port sizes and stuff so being accessible really taking care of the end user and putting out a good product is what has helped us grow we're, we're growing very fast and are you very receptive on feedback, you know, especially because if, you know, I'm, you know, six, five law enforcement officer that, you know, shoots primarily duty and instruction, but also some, uh, you know, some shooting sports versus a five, three female, uh, 
that all she does is shoot recreationally in competition. Uh, you know, that is an accountant during the day, but shoots competitively on her weekends and holidays. Uh, is that something that you all take into consideration whenever you're designing your different models for your AR-15s? Yeah, we, we, we take that kind of stuff into consideration. I mean, our company is, our company is more, um, like, uh, defensive rifle centered as opposed to like competition rifle or you know even precision rifle. We do some of that other stuff, but for the most part, we build defensive rifles. So whenever we think about the type of barrel material we're going to use, we're anticipating you know heavier firing schedules. You know, when we think about the kind of springs we use, we know that we're talking about a, a lot of compression decompression cycles, right? So. <clears throat> When we think about the mechanics of this gun, we, we plan on guns that are going to get shot a lot, a lot. Um, so, I mean, we look at it, we look at it that way. I mean, with every, remember your gun is only as good as its weakest part. I mean, and if people started looking at guns in, in that kind of, you know, detail, it, they, they'd see pretty quickly, like things that are done right and things that aren't. But yeah, we are very open to feedback. You know, we send guns out to places where we know they're going to get, you know, destructively used and we take all that feedback we get from there because we're data driven. We collect that data that helps us, you know, that helps us do what we do. And what do you see in the future for Sons of Liberty Gunworks? We have some pretty neat stuff that we're developing that's going to be, you know, truly proprietary to us. That was something I couldn't really do in the first couple of years. And the, the reason being was funding. You know, I mean, when you're you know, a three-year-old company and you, you land a pretty good-sized contract, you know, and they sometimes don't pay for 60, 90, 100-something days, well, I mean, you have, it's hard. You know, we, we don't have to float that kind of stuff being a small company. And that really kind of made it difficult to do R&D. You know? So uh, now, now we have a ton of funding. And so we can actually start bringing some of these ideas to market that we've been working on for a couple of years, which is, you know, a couple of years ago, we weren't in a position to do it. Now we are. So, I mean, I think you're going to see Sons of Liberty in a lot more, in a lot more places. I, I think you'll, some of the doubters will come around. Anything you want to give sneak peeks to the listeners? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I mean, we have, we have some neat stuff coming out this year and I think, you know, I think people will dig it. Shot is just around the corner. so uh what is something that you uh want like i mean was sons liberty gunworks your first firearms uh company that you started was that where you first got into the firearms industry uh where did you kind of get your feet wet or is i mean did you just you know go head on into sons liberty gunworks and that was your first kind of soiree into the firearms industry kind of a funny story so uh after the sandy hook um, situation. Obviously, there was a pretty huge demand for the license right after. And, uh, you know, people were scalping, you know, DPMS rifles for $3,000, whatever. Well, I had some friends of mine, a bunch of Marines, and, uh, you know, they wanted, they wanted rifles, and I wanted to get them rifles and without them having to get scalped for, like, some piece of shit. So I started building guns, like, in my garage and then sending them. I wasn't doing this like I was trying to get to the gun business. I legitimately wanted to get people guns. Well, I eventually got contacted by the ATF. I think after I shipped 40 guns to Alaska, (laughs) 
<laughs> I shipped 40 guns to Alaska in one month, and I got a call from the ATF, and they're like, hey, fucker, knock it off. And they, they gave me a stern warning. Very, very, believe it or not, very, very cool guys. And they were very cool guys, like, hey, we know what you're doing. You should probably go and get yourself a license if you're going to do this. And I did, and that sounds like it works. Nice. Nice. <laughs> not, too, not too many people, they can say they started a business because of the ATF. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I got to tell you, there, you know, that that I, that contact I had with them uh, kind of surprised me because you, know, you don't really. It was kind of like hey, slap your pee pee and don't do that again. And I didn't, and I got a license, and here we are. That is pretty awesome. I, I've never heard that story. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> so, what is? Uh, are you just a rifle guy, or are you also into pistols, shotguns, PRS? Um, I mean, I dabble in a little bit of everything, and I mean, I carry a pistol, but. You know, mechanically, I couldn't speak on that stuff. Like, I, you know, my, I don't hate to use this word, but like, my expertise is in the M4 family of guns. I mean, I think we, I think I, we do that at a very, very high level. Um, when it comes to these other platforms, I, I enjoy shooting anything. You know, some of my favorite guns that shoot are like lever guns and stuff, but mechanically, I'm not really, you know, very well versed on that. I kind of try to stay in my lane as far as what, what I'm talking about, you know. Absolutely. And what is something that Sensibility Gunworks is doing for the firearms community? Uh, you know, if not sure if you know, but, you know, there's something new out there called the Gundies. Uh, I've talked about it on my social media some. I think it's something that's great that uh, the firearms community is starting. Uh, it is an award system that they are doing for content creators, uh, individuals, companies uh, that are you know, influencing the gun community and not only that, but just also giving back to the gun community. What is Sons of Liberty Gunworks uh, doing, you know, giving back to the gun community? Well, we're, we're very, very outspoken. You know, um, we do our best to, you know, get the word out for this or that, keep people informed of, you know, proposed bills that are coming up. Um, you know, we're expediting all Virginia orders right now. You know, we're trying to raise money for gun policy. Uh, the, the Gun Policy Coalition. We, we raise money for the NFA Freedom Alliance. I mean, we're constantly trying to to challenge, you know, to, to help facilitate challenging these laws, you know, in court, and also getting people to stand up and say something. I'm a little disappointed. I feel like a lot of people in our industry are a little too quiet on the matter. You know, um, we had a town hall meeting here in San Antonio, and I took 450 people with me to a meeting that normally holds about 20 people to voice our concern about some of the buyback programs and stuff they were proposing. And I got to tell you, it was effective. They have stopped proposing that stuff whenever they see a sea of people that aren't activists. These are not paid activists. These are not professional protesters. They're people like you and me, regular people that just showed up and were like, that's, you know, but we did help facilitate that. And I think, you know, you can make a difference. Everybody can. You know, it's not enough to have a bumper sticker on your car, or it's not enough to post a, a meme on Facebook. Like, we're going to need a little bit more commitment than that from, you know, our fellow gun owners, you know, calling your representatives, showing up to some of these rallies, donating a little bit of money to some of these organizations that are challenging these, these laws. Um, <clears throat> we're going to need a lot of help this year, a lot. <laughs> you know? yeah. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I, I don't know how old you are, but I'm a millennial. Uh, you know, I am in that millennial age range. And it is quite, I say, sickening uh, because growing up as a gun owner, I've always felt, you know, the NRA is kind of, I'm starting to feel more like a lost cause every day, but I'm still holding out hope, uh, at least for this next NRAM, that it'll change around, that the gun community doesn't care too much about the up and coming coming gun generation that will be the ones fighting for our gun rights and now all you see from the millennials that are, are gun rights activists and gun enthusiasts are just boogaloo talk which is you know funny you know because i enjoy humor in absolutely fucking everything uh but you also have to go out there and vote and you start seeing that in virginia especially where you know your vote may not count so much you know, voting for the president, but if you're voting for your county commissioner, uh, yeah, and you live especially, deal. especially, yeah, if you live in a, a small county, uh, you know, most counties, you know, I would say probably have around 50,000 people. One vote or you and getting your buddies at the gun range to go vote makes a, a lot bigger difference in the county commission races. And you see that in Virginia, where counties and independent cities are, you know, establishing these gun sanctuaries. And it's basically telling the, you know, the state government and the national government to fuck off. We're not going to enforce any more of this illegal gun control infringing on our constitutional rights, our civil rights, which you know, people don't understand your gun rights are a civil right uh, into the Constitution, uh, and we're not going to take any more of your shit. So, you know, just going out there, going vote, going talking to your county commissioners, state representatives, state senators, uh, it makes a big difference. Like you said, when you went to that town hall, you know, they're used to having 20 people, and then you roll up there with, you know, several hundred people. Uh, that makes a big damn difference to these small town politicians that have to live next to you every day and thinking, well, you know, it might look good to, you know, fucking my party or whatever, but these are the people I have to live with every day. And I don't want to, you know, see a pissed off individual at fucking Publix or Walmart or wherever the fuck you shop at and, you know, get those nasty looks every damn time. No, it's, it's very true. I mean, you have a, like a city like San Antonio, where it's the seventh largest city in the country. Unfortunately, unfortunately, like our city government is elected by about 13% of registered voters. So only about 13% of our registered voters actually show up to cast a vote in this late, this last election, at least for the mayor's race, you know, it came down to like right about 2000 votes. So, I mean, 13% of the population, you know, comes down to that kind of margin. I mean, if we just had more people getting up and voting, it absolutely makes a difference on the local level. The Boogaloo talk, I think it's hilarious. I mean, I like the memes. It's fun to talk about it. You know, but I question some of the commitment, right? I mean, you're you're talking about the boogaloo, and all of a sudden you're going to find this commitment to to fight the federal government or fight, you know, you know, fight this insurgency, but you don't have the commitment to write a letter to your to your representative or make a phone call to your representative. I just I find that kind of interesting, you know. <laughs> I mean, it'd be a lot easier, hopefully, to get it to, to stop some of these things. You know, before they happen, then you have to deal with the aftermath if something terrible like that did happen. Exactly. And then we found out on Instagram basically a month ago, exactly a month ago, that, you know, a lot of these people, I guess, once the whiskey runs out, that the boogaloo talk kind of stops and they just want to kind of give up, you know, the fucking whiskey warrior 556 bullshit that happened. Uh, A lot of people, you know, showed a big game, but, you know, once it actually comes down to, down to action uh you know a lot of people just kind of fall short on shit like that 
Well, I mean, I think the I think the people standing out in front of the state capitol in Virginia in the rain, you know, uh, making their voices heard, like something tells me those guys might legitimately not hand over their gun. You know, the guy is talking about on Instagram. I don't know. You know, I mean, I think people tend to get a little more involved. They have some kind of you know, stake. So those of us that have been pumping money into these causes, and those of us that have been actively out there rallying and stuff, well, I mean, we have some stake in the game. So I just want to encourage more people to get out there. Absolutely. And not only just joining, you know, whatever gun rights organization you think looks good, you know, whether it be, you know, NRA, uh, GOA, FPC, FPF, whatever it may be, you know, but join your state organizations as well, because you can see the Virginia Civil Defense League has done more for gun rights for Virginia gun owners than the NRA, which is actually headquartered in Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's very, very true. Uh, I mean, and, and I got to tell you another thing too, is a lot of times I, in the gun community, I find ourselves preaching to the preachers, right? I mean, you know, talking to each other about this stuff isn't how you move the needle. You know, if you look at the other side, I can tell you who it's made up is I, I it's like, I engage with these people all the time. The other side is made up of a small minority of like hardcore believers. Okay. And like fanatics, anti-gun fanatics. And they're surrounded by just a lot of well-intentioned, poorly informed people. So you have some fanatics that are kind of driving this thing. And then you have a bunch of like suburban housewives and stuff that get their news from CNN and they're, they're, they're not familiar with the actual facts. Like if you engage these people that are kind of in the middle, that are well-intentioned, but poorly informed, if you engage them, then you can, I think, at least kill some of their enthusiasm to oppose you. That's what I've seen in my work. I might not be changing anybody's mind, but they're probably less likely to show up to the next rally because, yeah, it's, it's not as bad as I thought, you know? Um, so getting out there and engaging with the other side, it's worth your time. Well, and something that I'm a humongous proponent of is just take people shooting. You know, yeah. if. If they see how much not only is the Constitution right, but just seeing how much fun it is to actually shoot, you know, an AR-15, AK-type rifle, a semi-automatic pistol, or whatever, you know, they're going to say that, damn, this is not only, I see why you want to have guns because you're saying it's constitutional right, but damn, this is a lot of fucking fun. So, you know, I can see why you want to have an AR-15 because it's it's fun. And, uh, you know, maybe get them, it, it gets them into shooting. Maybe they start thinking, well, you know, shit, if that's what it is to go shooting, then maybe I'll pick it up and just go have fun myself. You know, that's where you see a lot of, at least you used to, not so much since the virtue signaling, but, you know, gun trips and, you know, trips to the gun range was a, uh, like a company outing for some companies just because it is a shit ton of fun. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've, I have uh, supplied machine guns and stuff for corporate events. Um, you're starting to see that less and less. I mean, the problem here's the issue is like we're kind of losing the culture war a little bit and it's frustrating because i mean i've built weapons for celebrities and professional sports athletes that i've also seen like on anti-gun you know videos uh, or you know it's, it's kind of frustrating that these uh, there's a lot of people that are that are secretly closeted gun owners that i wish would kind of speak out a little bit more you know kind of help turn the culture tide a little bit and that's something, you know, that 
a lot of Republicans talk about is that, you know, you hear a lot of people say that they didn't vote for Trump because they don't want to be labeled as that. It's the exact same thing with guns. A lot of people are going to say that they are not for gun rights because they don't want to be labeled as that in their company, in their country club, in their gym, whatever it may be. Uh, But secretly they are. You know, once you get behind that ballot box, that's a wholly different story. But you also need to get these people speaking out more in reference to protecting your gun rights and advancing your gun rights to repealing some of these gun control laws that are on the books. Uh, We really do need to have more, like you said, more of a cultural uh, strategy in winning against the gun control advocates because like, that is exactly right. And you see it in any major cultural significant change in our country is it always starts in culture wars. And that seems to be where you know, the losing side always loses in the culture wars. And that's where we need to go on and continue to push not only at the state house, but at the cultural segment, you need to, if you go to a gun, uh, a gun rally, you need to be dressed decently like business, or at least I would call fucking church attire. You don't want to be, you know, up there with a scraggly ass Amish beard, you know, wearing a Molab t-shirt, you know, Molon labia t-shirt and a fucking AR song across your back. You want to look professional. You you don't want to look like the motherfucker trailer trash that the local news interviewed after the tornado hit the trailer park. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. And if you do get the opportunity to engage, uh, you know, people that are interested in having the conversation about guns, I mean, you can't lead off with, you know, from my cold dead hand. You know, I mean, I I talk to people all the time that are, you know, that, that, that initially sound very anti-gun with some polite conversation and presenting some actual facts and then encourage them to look up their own data and you know you'll see that like they kind of soften up a little bit and i'm not saying i'm changing their mind i just don't think they're going to march against me next time sometimes that's all you need you know um so yeah i mean i think there is a way to present yourself that that helps our cause and there's a way to present yourself that, that hurts our cause you know i mean i i support open carry i think it should be a right at the same time, like if you're showing up at Starbucks with a SKS, you know, and a Tapco Scott and a Tapco stock, <laughs> it's a Tapco stock. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, you took a company that had no policy on guns, and then now they have a policy on guns, and it's not in our favor. You know, so just be careful on how how you're exercising your activism. You know. Absolutely. And, you know, just don't come back with shall not be infringed. Yeah, that is the, the you know, the the meat and the potatoes of it. But you need to have the facts like you said, like you said earlier on why gun control is dangerous to not only that individual, but is dangerous to their kids, their neighbors, their family, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, I live in a, I work in a rural ass county and the average response time for police, I would say is probably around 30 minutes. Uh, I used to work at a larger agency where it's close to around five minutes, but still, even if it's five minutes for your response time for police, do you really want to be left alone with a threat for five minutes while you're waiting for somebody with a gun to get there? Why don't you be armed yourself? Yeah. I mean, and again, this is something that we can demonstrate across the board. I mean, if you look at, you know, some of these active shooter scenarios, if you look at people that are perpetuating violence, that that usually like the moment the second gun shows up, that's usually when like the killing of innocent people stops. It's that second gun, whether it's a civilian or a law enforcement officer, you know, it's somebody that can actually oppose them. And so, I mean, the idea of less guns making us more safe, or the idea of gun-free zones being anything, you know, any kind of benefit. I mean, we can see by the data that it's not. You know, 
you know, people don't walk into police stations and start shooting typically, you know, because it would probably end pretty quick. People don't go to, you know, gun shows and try to shoot that place up either. You know, I mean, it's unfortunately it's schools and malls and, you know, gun free zones. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mike, uh, that is going to be the end of the uh, interview. If you'd like to stick around, we're going to go into some news and going around into the firearms community. Also get into the culture segment and start wrapping the show up. You want to stick around or you got to go? I'll stick around for a little bit. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and start getting into uh, some of the news that's going around into the country and the firearms community. Uh, as we've kind of hinted and talked about a little bit earlier, uh, there is, you know, the thing that's going on in Virginia, uh, Virginia, there's over a hundred gun sanctuary counties and independent cities in the state now that have passed legislation stating that they will no longer enforce any future gun control legislation that comes down from the state government. Uh, Virginia, a lot of people realize and, and read in the news, whether it be on social media or in mainstream news, that Virginia has gone blue in state elections and many of those uh, Democratic lawmakers has stated that one of the first things that they are going to do is going to pass more gun control legislation. In reaction to that, you had a lot of these conservative counties and independent cities uh, state that they're they're just saying fuck it, you know, fuck off. We're not going to enforce any more uh, gun control legislation coming from the state. And now you have the Virginia governor stating that they're going to use the National Guard in regards to enforcing this gun control legislation that they're planning. Uh, you had the Virginia National Guard give a official statement, but then also now you're starting to see some individual National Guard members in Virginia kind of giving their own statements and that they're not going to enforce any gun control legislation if they're ordered by the Virginia National Guard uh, through the governor. And that's pretty interesting. Uh, I tell people a lot that, you know, with the, all the hate that's coming on to police and law enforcement uh, from the gun community, from the boog boys or whatever you want to call them, uh, that are just autistically screeching through the internet, uh, that your neighbors are going to be the ones that are police officers. They're going to be your National Guard members. Uh, if you live in a community that is generally pro-Second Amendment, you don't have to worry about your local law enforcement enforcing gun control legislation because uh, they are the ones that, you know, they have the same ideas and sentiments and political views that you do. Uh, if you live in New York City or if you live in Boston or if you live in Chicago or Los Angeles or San Francisco, uh, where the general attitude and the political leanings of that populace is going to be for gun control. Of course, that's where you're seeing a lot of these uh, red flag laws being executed by law enforcement. You're seeing a lot of these uh, you know, law enforcement agencies posting on social media saying, we arrested this you know, hardworking individual uh, for just having a gun uh, in his car because he did not have it registered or it was an illegal firearm in that you know, jurisdiction. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, these are the same people that you break bread with, whatever. Uh, so, you know, that's something I tell people a lot of, uh, you have any thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, you there? Yep, I'm here. Yeah. So I, I, I work with law enforcement all over the country and I can tell you that these guys are overwhelmingly, uh, pro to a pro constitution. These guys are typically patriots. A lot of them are former service members, you know, and uh, I know some of the hate we get for Sons of Liberty for supporting law enforcement. Uh, 
is, is usually is pretty unfounded. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't foresee local law enforcement coming by and, and taking anybody's guns. Now, if you live in New York or if you live in Massachusetts, where the law enforcement guys up there have been separated by multiple generations, you know, like their father didn't own guns, their grandfather didn't own guns. Well, that's a uh, that's you're, you're talking more about the demographic of that state rather than the than law enforcement. You know, so down here in Texas, I, I don't see our county sheriff uh, kicking anyone's door in anytime soon. Absolutely. And even though, you know, San Antonio is fairly liberal, I'm from Texas myself. I mean, all my extended family still lives throughout the entire state of uh, Texas and uh, including San Antonio. So having been there, I understand that there is, you know, you know, people are saying Texas is turning purple and might be eventually blue, but you still have the majority of the state uh, outside those uh, metro areas that are very traditional Texas, I guess you could say, very, you know, conservative, pro-Second Amendment. Uh, So, you know, you're not going to have that issue just because that's still the culture there. Uh, But like you said, when you have a New York or you have a Massachusetts or you have a California where it's starting to be multiple generations of people that haven't even touched a gun, haven't gone shooting with a gun, uh, that's when you start, you know, having that mindset built into them and they teach that to their kids and so on and so forth. And that's why it's important to fight where you live and make sure gun control legislation doesn't creep into where you live uh, to make sure that the culture of guns continues on through your kids and your grandkids. Yeah, absolutely. We're never more than one generation away, right? So, like you said, getting involved at the local level, the county level, the state level, that's where you can really, that's where you can really make a difference. I mean, you can make a difference. I mean, at the presidential level, you know, that's not going to make a difference. But the city council, the county commissioner, your your county sheriff, yeah, you, you can. Absolutely. Going into the next story, Puerto Rico enacts pro-gun overhaul of firearms laws. This actually comes from the NRA ILA website. This was published on the 23rd, so just yesterday. Uh, Puerto Rico enacted laws now to where it is easier to get uh, firearms for their citizens. Uh, It's kind of fucking sad that a U.S. territory has freer gun laws than a lot of states in the actual United States that are states. Uh, But it is good for Puerto Rico because I know uh, I used to work in my larger city where they had the state fair and the state fair there. The carnies, as I call them, uh, the carnies, you know, actually used to go down to Puerto Rico uh, and do the fairs down there. And they said it was just a fucking wild west because, you know, there's no firearms down there. Crime is rampant. Uh, you know, obviously, probably not in the touristy sections of Puerto Rico, but crime is just ult- very rampant, almost like Mexico down there. You have a lot of uh, knife attacks and machete attacks and things like that. Uh, so, with the passing of this law, uh, Puerto Rico citizens uh, and people that actually live in Puerto Rico, or it's going to be easier for them to uh, exercise their constitutional rights to keep and bear arms. And I think it's awesome. I think that is great for you know some place that is considered part of the United States that the citizens are, you know, getting a chance to exercise their rights to firearms. And hopefully, since Puerto Rico is doing this, uh, maybe it gives some hope to places like Illinois or it gives places like, uh, you know, that aren't completely generationally uh, gun control havens like California, New York, uh, but maybe some of them other states to maybe try and, and push back some of the gun control laws there. Any thoughts on that, Mike? 
so from the from the research and the data, I've gotten a little bit politically involved this last about sixteen months. Um, we we're, the data that we're seeing is that the generations that are in high school and middle school right now are actually like more conservative than any generation since the last forty years. Um, which is which is interesting, right? But I mean, it's 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 not hard to make that leap. We talk about you look at the counterculture of the '60s. The youth were rebelling against, you know, the man. You know, who was the man? The guy on the nightly news, the talk show host, the uh, you know, politician. So you have this counterculture against that kind of authority. Well, you're seeing a, a second counterculture now, except for this time, the man, you know, is liberal, PC, anti-gun, you know. Whatever, and I mean, look at some of the latest comedy skits that have come out, right? Like you know, Chappelle and uh, you know, uh, another one. But if you look at this, I, I think you're starting to see a rejection of the PC culture, and I think you're starting to see some of these kids rebelling against the man. And if that's the case, then if we can hold out to like about 2026, we might see some changes, you know. Absolutely. And it's always I've talked to my friends about this, that it's hard to believe that the my generation, the millennial generation, who's considered the outrage generation, grew up on the Chappelle show. But now all of a sudden <laughs> they're bitching about, you know, transsexual jokes and that Chappelle had in his new stand up comedy uh, skit. Uh, it, it's just insane. But I am noticing that. You know, at least in my generation, and also in the Gen Z generation coming up, that you have a lot more libertarian-minded people. It's not just Democrat or Republican. So uh, you might agree with a Republican on gun control rights and the economy, but you agree with the Democrat, say, on more uh, social issues like abortion or death penalty or whatever the hell it may be. Uh, but you're starting to see people more independently think for themselves, and you can call that conservative as you want, but I think it's I'm just glad to see it's free thinking uh, that you don't support one politician because of uh, the letter behind his name on the ballot. You support a politician because of issues. And I'm hoping, like you said, maybe in 2026, you start seeing more politicians have, uh, you know, might have, you know, an R or D behind their name, but they don't toe the party line. They're independent thinkers themselves. So they might be a Republican and they might go for, you know, uh, you know, freer gun uh, laws, uh, might go for uh, whatever another conservative platform might be, but they also might be more, uh, you know, maybe marijuana legalization or uh, fucking abortion, whatever it may be, you know, just yeah, more no, pro- yeah, cross-platform. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you where I think a lot of this stuff stems from. And I mean, the one thing you can say about Trump, love him or hate him is he has like single-handedly like kind of shattered the credibility of media of your of your like you know national media right so i mean the one thing that we can see across the board in the younger cultures is they have a distrust for cnn they have a distrust for fox news they have a distrust for all of it so they're seeking alternative media sources that happen to be that that aren't necessarily agenda driven you're actually getting some free thinking going on there so if this, the one thing I can say that Trump has done that will probably change, and he's probably broken it, you know, permanently, is our reliance on the big media companies. That's that's not where I get my news anymore. Is that where you get your news? You know, 
Absolutely. And even people that are uh, saying, you know, pissed off that Trump says, you know, fake media or fake news, they themselves aren't really getting their fucking news from CNN or MSNBC. They're also going to that alternative media to get the news themselves. So it's it's kind of hypocritical to a point, but at least you see that it's it's cross-platform. It's Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives, or whatever it may be. They're all using alternative media. And because of that, you see, you know, newspapers, magazines, news, uh, mainstream media on the news uh, channels. Uh, you know, they're not having the viewership or the readership that they used to have because of uh, the alternative media coming in. Yeah, and it's, and it's a lot harder to control a billion different sources than it is, you know, one huge conglomerate. So, I think that in and of itself is going to inspire more independent thinking, just that in and by itself, you know, and if that's the case, man, then that's a win, you know, that's a win. Absolutely. Uh, going into the last news story of the main segment, I'm going to talk about this. Uh, I've talked about it on my social media uh, is the Gundies. Uh, this is something that the gun community itself has come forward with. And I think it's really awesome. Anytime that the gun community wants to do something to kind of celebrate itself, celebrate the farms community, uh, you know, celebrate content creators, I am very in favor of and I celebrate it. Uh, the Gundies uh, is a self-awarding uh, system. You can actually, you people, the listeners, you, Mike, me, uh, we can vote for what we think. We can actually nominate people as well. Uh, the voting runs from December 1st to January 1st, so y'all... You only have about you know six more fucking days to get it done if you want to go vote. Uh, and they have different categories as well. Under what they call influencers, they have the best gun reviewer, uh, most entertaining content creator, most influential influencer, best outdoorsman, influence of the year, photographer of the year, most likely to survive the apocalypse, and best shooter. And which, by the way, Jerry Mitchellick is under that. So if you don't fucking for Jerry Mitchellick, uh, don't vote for Jerry Mitchellick. You're wrong. Uh, and under brands, they have the most involved in the community and most innovative brand of the year. Uh, uh, Mike, is Sons of Liberty Gun Works under any of those? I hadn't checked. Yeah, so we're under uh, uh, most involved in the community. I mean, if, if anybody's really paying attention, I, I, I hope that we're doing well in that category because we are pretty damn involved in the community. So that's awesome. And uh, this is something that I've, you know, kind of talked to the Gundies uh, on social media. Uh, it's something I told them I hope that they continue to do next year and many more years to come. Uh, and I think, like I said, I think it's awesome. I think it's fucking great that the gun community is doing this. And they're also recognizing people uh, that make a difference and that, you know, people thoroughly enjoy. So that way, you know, sitting here behind this mic uh, in my kind of fucking room uh, at my house uh, where this is my little studio, you know, it's kind of nice to you know sometimes i think like well it's fucking anybody really paying attention or listening uh so that's why i kind of that's why i have my social media to kind of have my interaction with listeners uh and whatnot but also through my uh publishing uh that i use for my podcast i can kind of see uh who is listening and where they're listening which uh we have a you know always want to shout out to these people we have like seems to be a constantly couple dozen people in australia that listen every new podcast uh so definitely give a shout out to our people from down under and uh it's just something that's that's pretty awesome and i definitely recommend that you go check it out and pay attention whenever they actually do announce the winners and i'm sure they'll have some sort of kind of fucking award ceremony uh, definitely look forward to it Last time I played Father Christmas, I stood 
Going on into our products news and reviews, uh, this is kind of something where we talk about new products that are coming out in the industry and anything that uh, I or you, Mike, if you personally have bought and kind of want to give a review on or talk about, uh, this is uh, something we can talk about. The main thing that I kind of want to talk about, uh, and this is interesting, uh, maybe a little bit more in your wheelhouse, even though it's not an M4 platform, uh, Six Hour uh, announces that they're going to be returning to the bolt action market. Uh, they've come out with an unassailable, uh, they called the uh, SSG 3000. Uh, I'm sorry, actually, that was the one in 1992. But they're coming out with a new uh, bolt action rifle that was actually part of the Omri contract uh, that they bid for, and it came in chambered in 277 Sig Fury. Uh, which I actually, when I first found this, I tried my damnedest to try and find anything I could uh, on that round, which there really wasn't a whole lot out there. Uh, but it's going to come in 308 and uh, 6.5 Creed more chambered is what they already talked about. Uh, they said that it might come in more uh, more calibers, which will be interested. Uh, and the MSRP on it is they're saying it's going to be around 1779. Uh, so you definitely can probably get that a little bit cheaper once it actually hits the market. Uh, do you diddle in PRS any, Mike? I do, and we uh, and we also sponsor a really, really great PRS team. So, no, I'm definitely excited. I, I like that like, you know, the Ruger Precision Rifle that now Sig has this you know this bolt gun coming out. It looks very promising. I like their chassis system. Looks like it's going to be a good gun. Um, so I think there's two reasons why you're starting this. Number one, you can grab one of these rifles, go grab a decent optic, and go compete in a PRS match. And it's it's neat to be able to get some of this stuff off the shelf, right? You can get it and go. Another thing too, I think you're going to see like there's going to be some announcements coming up here after the first. Certain companies are going to be not producing, you know, ARs and stuff for the civilian market. And uh, I mean, I think it's getting hard for some of these other companies to compete in that market, so in the commercial side. So I think he's, I'm not surprised that you're seeing some of uh, some of these bolt guns and stuff coming out, uh, you know, so they can remain competitive and. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And something that I think that's very awesome is that kind of once Trump was elected and everybody was, you know, stopped being afraid of losing uh, their modern sporting rifles, you saw the industry come out with uh, just, you know, stop trying to push AR-15s into the market. Uh, you started seeing the, you know, evolution of the concealed carry market. And that's where we got uh, the SIG 365. You started seeing a lot of other companies come out with their own compact guns. Uh, you started seeing companies going into the PRS with uh, Ruger and Savage, and now SIG is entering the market. And being a humongous capitalist, I love you know capitalism. It is something <laughs> that you see more and more companies getting into different uh, different types of firearms, and I think it's only going to be better for the consumer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and, and like I, mean, I do this for work, right? I mean, my job is making you know ARs and fours, but you know I'm excited. To, I, I will probably go buy one of these SIG rifles once they come out. You know. Um, so I, that's the kind of stuff I enjoy and I think it's gonna be pretty exciting. I think there's just some neat stuff this year. Absolutely. Is there any kind of gear or, uh, you know, firearms that you've gotten recently that you, uh, want to talk about or something that you, uh, want to talk about in regards to something Sons of Liberty Gunworks coming out with that you want to talk about in the guns and gear news and reviews? 
Yeah, so we're about to we're actually releasing a precision like DMR uh, dedicated platform, which I'm pretty excited about. It's called our broadsword. <laughs> we've done some things uh, to kind of alter that receiver. You know, we've, we've moved the grip back a little bit. Um, you know, that the upper receiver we've made more rigid, where it marries that threaded threaded bore for your barrel extension. So we've done a few little tweaks to this thing to to really build up a precision. Uh, gas gun. And I know there's a lot of accurate gas guns out there, but to bring our level of reliability and then now make it, you know, precise, uh, I think it's, I think that's going to be a big hit. I know if everybody that's played with it so far has been, you know, pretty, pretty happy. So yeah, look forward to that this year. That's one of the things we're dropping. Awesome. What uh, caliber is it going to be chambered in? <laughs> you there? Yeah. What calibers are you going to get it chambered in? Uh, so our prototypes right now are in 5.56 and or 2.23 and uh, 6.5 Grendel. So, and I've I've never really been a been a big fan of the 6.5 Grendel because you know, it's hard on that bolt. You're having to alter bolt geometry and kind of thin those walls out. You know, you are more prone to breaking extractors and stuff. But if you use that gun in the in the designed purpose of being like a PRS gun or a precision gun, then I, I think it's it's okay. You know, most of our, a lot of our team that we, so that we, uh, sponsor, they use six, five Grindle, but they also carry a spare bolt, you know? Um, and we, we, you know, if someone were ever break a bolt, we would just replace it anyways. But, uh, no, I think that that six, five, uh, Grindle card is pretty impressive. Yes, I actually am a huge fan of the 6.5 Grendel ballistic information. I am a humongous ballistic nerd. I got a uh, CD from the FBI uh, ballistic research facility of all the calibers that they have tested and uh, and different stuff and, and hollow points and whatnot. And I'm a humongous ballistics nerd, and I actually really do like the 6.5 Grendel. I think it's a very underappreciated cartridge. I, uh, I think it's the most ballistically impressive cartridge that you can put in an AR platform. Absolutely. So, and if if it's and if you if it's treated that way as a precision gun, it's not going to something that you want to clean your house with. It's not going to be a, a fighting gun or something. But in that role of precision PRS target shooting hunting, it's a really neat cartridge. Absolutely. Let's get on into the culture segment and start wrapping the show up. I appreciate, uh, Mike, You, this is actually we're recording on Christmas Eve, actually. Uh, we were supposed to do it this past Sunday when we normally release the show, but we had some issues linking up, uh, and we were able to meet up today and get this t- taken care of on Christmas Eve. So, uh, Mike, let me just ask you this. What is your favorite Christmas movie? Die Hard. I mean, come on. <laughs> Fucking A. And that is what we're talking about today in the culture segment, talking about some of the guns in Die Hard. Uh, what is some of your favorite guns that you see in Die Hard? Well, I mean, the, the classic, right? I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big MP5 fan. Uh, I, I mean, I have several of them. And, I mean, that is the iconic, that is the iconic gun. You know? and I think Die Hard did it, what, did it justice. 
Absolutely. And of course, being uh, 19, like late 80s, uh, going into the early 90s when they started having the other Die Hard movies, uh, you have the Beretta 92F, which is what uh, John McClane, uh, John McClane, Bruce Willis had. Uh, and basically any fucking movie in the 80s and 90s, when you have a police officer, any kind of law enforcement, uh, you had the Beretta 92. Uh, something. Yeah, Riggs carried a Britain, right? Exactly. Yep. The, another great another, Christmas movie. Another great Christmas movie. Very exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then one of my little favorites, and this is a gem that I actually personally own, is the HK P7M13. And this uh, is what Hans Luger had. Uh, going into some of the other guns, you had uh, fucking. And a Steyer. Uh, yep, Steyer. You had Sergeant Al Powell, played by Reginald Vell Johnson. He had the old Smith and Wesson Model 15. Uh, the old school revolver gun that you had. Uh, you also had a Walther P5 in there, uh, which is pretty interesting. But like you said, there's shit tons of MP5s in there. That is just the classic bad guy uh, rifle, gun, whatever you want to call it. Any movie in the 80s and 90s when you had bad dudes, they always had MP5s. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's just, it's the iconic gun of the gun of the 80s. It's in early 90s, I guess. But yeah, no, Die Hard had some had some good guns. Yeah. And a little one known that you probably didn't know is that there was another Steyr in there. Uh, one of the uh, FBI agents in the helicopter had a Steyr SSG sixty nine. Right, and didn't one have? Didn't one also have a M fourteen? Uh, I, there was not an M14 in there, but uh, you know a lot of the little SWAT guys initially when they first tried to go into Nakatomi Plaza. Of course, they had the uh, M16s, uh, old A1s. Yeah. Uh, you also had the uh, the M60 and the yeah. M60 A3, uh, E3. I, man, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back and watch Die Hard again today. It's Christmas Eve, and that's the tradition here in my household. So I'm gonna go back and I thought there was an M14 in that helicopter, but well, we got. I'll, I'll go take a look. We'll see. If you do, I will be more than happy to uh, throw a correction on there. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that is going to end the culture segment, Mike. I want to greatly appreciate you coming on, and I want to, again, greatly appreciate you coming on Christmas Eve and taking some time away from your family to uh, hang out with me and to talk to our listeners. Hey, I appreciate what you're doing. Um, I'm a big fan, man, so keep doing it. Keep getting the word out, and uh, it's going to be an exciting it's gonna be an exciting year. So I think we all need to you know, kind of hunker down. So. Absolutely. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Mike. Hey, Merry Christmas to you, bro. That was our interview with Mike Molaski of Sons of Liberty Gunworks. I want to greatly appreciate him for coming on Christmas Eve and giving a little bit of time to go in and talk to us, give you guys a little bit of information about Sons of Liberty Gunworks and himself. Also, I want to wish y'all a very Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, whatever the fuck you celebrate. Just enjoy this holiday season. Fucking enjoy your your family, yourself, whatever it may be. Also, because it is the holiday season, I just want to talk a little bit about this. And if you have any issues with uh, fucking family, uh, a lot of people don't understand what's going on at this time of the year. 
uh, and a lot of people have issues. So if you don't, uh, you know, if this is a hard time for you, I just want to go ahead and say it. You know, everybody wants you here in 2020, and suicide is a very real thing. It is a life-altering decision. Uh, you know, on something that might actually, you know, it shit always gets better. So if you want, just go ahead and if, reach out to me on social media. I always have my fucking phone on me. I have the Two A Lifestyle social media get directly to my phone. So reach out to me, or if you don't want to reach out to me, you can always reach out to the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It is 1-800-273-TALK. So I just want to go ahead and just kind of put that in the very end of the show. And, uh, you know, it's very important to me. uh, And just want to go ahead and say that to our listeners. Uh, If you know somebody that's going through that, go ahead and share that phone number with them. Uh, But let's go ahead and start wrapping it up. I greatly appreciate you all for joining this on this holiday edition of the 2A Lifestyle. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit subscribe to wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you can't leave us a review, it is the best way for people to find us when they're searching for gun-related content in podcast platforms. Go ahead and check out our social media on Facebook. It is 2A, that number 2A Lifestyle. And on Instagram, it is 2 spelled out, T-W-O-A Lifestyle. And on Patreon, if you feel like you enjoy this podcast and you want to support us, you can go ahead and go on to Patreon and you can support us for as little as $1 a month. We got some good shit coming up in 2020, so just stay tuned for that. And that is the best way for people to support us. So check us out on Patreon at 2alifestyle.com. And until then, I will see you guys in two weeks. And go ahead and keep enjoying that 2A lifestyle. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. are a heel You're as cuddly as a cactus and as charming as an eel Mr. Grinch You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel